All right, my friends. Well, welcome back to Trekology. Here we are yet again. Uh, and with you always is me, and me is Jeff. And with me always, wait, did I say that already? No, with you always, whatever, is Greg. And hey, that's Greg. me. Hey, Greg. Hey, Jeff. Uh, we are sitting in Greg's house again. Yep. Yeah. I, I got wonder, the baby again. And that's true. And there's a baby here, too. I don't know if people can tell the difference audioly. No. Audiologically? No, no, that's too many. Too many. Uh, Star Trek. Star Trek and the Overdunes. How has that gone? So we have these. Uh, I got the baby with me yeah. right now. And she can attest that we have been heavily reading the Tribble um, Little Golden Book. Oh, The Tribble okay. with Tribbles Little Golden Book. She's really enjoying all the colors of the tribbles uh, and everything. It's catching her eye. She's enjoying okay. it. So we've been reading that just about every day. Wow. Um, so that got me in the mood for tribbles. Okay. So I've been watching, As it does. I have been watching all the tribble episodes. Are there many? There's four. What? So there's no. Trouble with Tribbles. Yeah. Trials and Tribulations. Yeah. The Trouble with Edward. I don't know what that is. That it's Lower a Dex? short treks episode. Oh, short treks. Okay. And then there's um the one that I watched this morning, More Troubles, More Tribbles. Or More Tribbles, More Troubles, the animated series episode. Oh, that's right. Which is so good. I do remember that oh, one. Oh, I feel like that's man. the best Tribble episode. It really is. Yeah. It is fantastic. It's funny. Yeah. It's dumb. <laughs> it is everything I love about a good Tribble episode. Yeah. And it, it was a season three episode yeah. that they cut. Hmm. So it, it's even very, you know, in the canon. I Well, I think all animated series episodes should be canon. Right, right, but right, right. It, it's very, it's very close to being canon. And that everything. one does feel the most of all of, maybe of all of the star of the uh, uh, animated series mm-hmm. ones. I felt like that. That one and Yesteryear, I think, yeah. are the two that feel the I most. I think Yesteryear Star-Trek-y. deserves to be up there too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but hey, is Short Treks? Short Treks is considered canon. I think so. Okay. I don't know. I haven't watched any. And Short Treks is animated. No, some are animated. Oh. Most are not. Most are live action. Okay. With with the actors from the shows. And oh, yeah. really? Wow. Mm-hmm. There's some good. There's some good ones. Okay. There's some weird ones. Yeah. But there's some really good ones. The Discovery related ones get a little weird. I would expect but... <laughs> that. Yeah. Yeah. But this this one I think is. Because they're they're supposed to be connected to a one of the series. Mm. I mean, in in one way or another. Yeah. But this one, I think, is a um, the trouble with Edward is a um, Strange New Worlds related one. Huh. So, okay. I mean, it happens years before. I think decades before. Gotcha. But it's about the scientists who created Tribbles. Oh. To solve a food crisis on a planet, which is like. A common theme with triple episodes is that there's a food crisis somewhere. Right, because they well, they're such ravenous eaters. Yeah, that's like their thing. Even though they don't appear to have any mouths, I don't know how they ingest food. I don't know. They, they at eat least in the ones and they I've reproduce. Seen, that's true. That's all they do. That's all that Bone says they do. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen any. Uh, which and they didn't. They never followed up, partially intentionally, because that was kind of the joke. Uh, is that that was the conclusion of Trouble and Tribulations is that somehow Tribbles ended up on Deep Space Nine. So, because that was the thing that Worf said is that they were hunted to extinction. Right. Um, and then, because of time travel, they have been brought back. 
and we never find out what happens after. I don't know if those the the. Well, I guess those no. would be said in the past yeah, anyway. Yeah, those are all in the past. So yeah, and they joke about it about the brave Klingon warriors going off into battle <laughs> against the triple tri- tri- homeworld. I kind of want to see that. Yeah. I want to see. I mean, I'm sure. Well, no, I'm not sure that they're not like hacking them with batleths and stuff like that. <laughs> it could certainly be the case. Well, um, it, I don't know how because they in the you know in the original episode. The Tribbles not liking Klingons just means it kind of goes like, it just starts shaking. Like, I don't know what, is it going to attack? Like, what's the problem here? It just makes a lot of noise. Is it going to bite you? I don't, I don't know what the issue is. Why Klingons don't like Tribbles so much just because Tribbles don't like Klingons. I don't know. (laughs) Well, in the, in the more Tribbles, more Troubles episode, Uh the, the Klingons, are developing a uh, an animal to eat the tribbles okay. to be a natural predator to okay. the tribbles. Cyrano Jones he steals the the uh, the genetically engineered natural predator and brings aboard Enterprise. Oh, interesting. So maybe not mat- batleths, maybe uh, the introduction of a uh, of genetically engineered Which creatures is interesting. Like you wouldn't assume Klingon scientists, but uh, they're out there. They are. You know, and we've seen, and I mean, that's, again, that's some of the, I, I do enjoy those episodes where we get to see, uh, the different species not being one dimensional. Yeah. I mean, like thinking right. about like, like, uh, yeah, that, the episode, um, which I, I think it doesn't get enough credit. We haven't talked about it a lot, but there's that, well, what, what's the one episode of enterprise where, uh, 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 Archer has to stand trial yeah. in front and he's got like a Klingon counselor. Like I like that. Like, I, that was that's not, a good episode. Yeah, and I thought because uh, it was what's his name JG. It was Martok, right? That yeah. was playing the. I mean, it wasn't literally Martok because it's his like great great ancestor or something like that. Um, he did a great job. Uh, and same thing. Like I don't know why it's just specifically lawyers, but I think about like uh, uh, I loved that DS9 episode where Chief O'Brien was on trial and his arbiter, arbiter, yes. Uh, his job was not to prove his client innocent. It was to convince his client that he's guilty. Right. And, yeah. And then when he fails because they find out he's innocent, he's like, I'm going to be executed. I've failed in my job. And I thought that was, but, but he's not a, uh, he's not a, um, Cardassian who is vying for, I mean, maybe he's vying for power in his own way, but not through the military. Right, and that's a very different Cardassian than the ones that we've seen. Yeah, I, I think that that is something that you get glimpses of in Star Trek right. that I would love to see explored more. Yeah, well, like I, I think the, um, you know, in the original series and even into uh, their limited appearance in um, Next Generation, but I think the Andorians always got kind of a bum rap. Yes. And until later, until, you know, in in Enterprise and in Strange New Worlds, where you get to meet more of them. Right. Well, Strange New Worlds, we only get to meet Hemmer, and Hemmer's different, right? Hemmer is different. Yeah, he's the subterranean type. Right. But that was, was that in uh, Discovery that they introduced that? That's Enterprise, I think. Where they go... Where they go to Andoria, oh. and then they find out that there's the whole cave system underneath. That they're... Maybe. It's really cold down there. They have to escape. Uh, all right, that sounds about right. But 
uh, uh, feels like a deep cut then uh, to, to bring him back. But we'll use that as a uh, jumping off point because we are diving in this episode, my friends, into Strange New Worlds. We have two episodes left. We are diving, we're talking about Strange New Worlds for both of them. And uh, we're starting season one with the, is it the Elysian Empire? The Elysian Kingdom? Yeah. Elysian. Elysian Kingdom, right? I think. Did That's I, how you say pronouncing it. Pronouncing it right? I don't know. I'm not looking Elysian? at the word itself. But it's the season one episode. If you haven't watched this one, the premise is that Dr. Mbenga is still working on saving his daughter. And um, then when he, they encounter this um, nebula, uh, and then he inhales this gas, which apparently has nothing to do with anything. I don't. That, I was, that's my understanding. I was confused. <laughs> unless, but he ends up going up to the bridge uh, because there's an injury, and um, everyone has been turned into characters from this book that he always reads his daughter. Um, and his backstory: his daughter has this rare disease, so he has to keep her in the transporter buffer at all times. Rare fatal um, disease. Yes, exactly. That, that's degenerative. Exactly. So that she's she's uh, she's uh, running out of time, uh, or every time that she's not in the buffer, she's running out of time. Right. They've become these characters in costume and stuff like that, and even he is now in this costume of this like king from this story so then he essentially has to live out the uh story of this book to eventually find that the gem that everyone's looking for is his daughter uh and then when they actually that like it was because the nebula is an entity that wants his daughter to thrive so getting her letting her live out the fantasy of being able to see this story in real life and then gives dr umbenga the the choice that either his daughter can come and live with this entity uh and then live forever i suppose i guess uh or what's the other option i'm gonna destroy the ship destroy the ship or i think i will not let them go or you have to let her stay with me I guess is the choice. Is it or or that? Well, we'll talk about leave. this because this yeah. is this is my big issue with this. Right. this is the landing. Um, anyway, so he decides to let her go and live with uh, the entity. Uh, so then they all go off, and no, everyone switches back to normal. No one actually remembers what happened except for him, and yeah. he remembers what happens. Even Hemmer, which I thought was weird. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. And that was, yeah. So Hammer's actually in this episode. And I do feel like as I was listening to it, at least in Benga, I don't know if it's his accent or whatever, he pronounces it more with an A, more like hammer. But I always thought it was more of like a hammer. I don't know. But. I think in the captions, it's H-E-M-M-E-R. Is it? Okay. I think. But it could just be, again, I mean, it's, a, it's an alien name. So how you pronounce it could be. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's still an English translation, I guess. Anyway, either way, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Hammer's the one that, it, for one, oh, because of his telepathic abilities, he is not affected. Uh, but he, uh, uh, so he's the one that ends up, yeah, helping out so that they can figure out the the mystery. Yeah, it seems like it's in in a way that's actually a relatively simple premise. It's another non-corporeal entity. Yeah. Uh, that does something weird to the ship. Okay, there you go. Which is it has a long history yes. in Star Trek episodes. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So uh, you were surprised that I picked this episode, Greg. I what, was. What's your feeling about this episode? You had you had told me before that this episode. And I don't want to step on your sure. your commentary too much, but this episode almost made you stop watching the show. Yeah. And that that's I I think that's understandable. The ending is 
weird and mm. a little off-putting. Mm. But the the episode itself, all the way up until the ending, yeah, I think it's so much fun. Okay, I think it's so much fun. And most of the actors, not all of them, but most of the actors, you can see how much fun they are having in these roles. Mm. Like I think um, the actress who plays Leon, Lon, yep. Lon yep. I think she is just having the time of her life yeah. in this role. She, I mean, she is all smiles, and right. it's not just because her character is, I mean, undoubtedly silly. Right. But, well, and that was as I was rewatching it this time. That was one of the issues that I have with it, and that's and that's one thing I want us to talk about is that I would call this episode silly. Yes. And. For me, that was one issue that I had. This is the sixth episode, I think, of the show. And for me, as a brand new show that has only done five episodes, to do a silly episode seems... Like, imagine the sixth episode of Next Generation being silly. <laughs> Naked Now. Be, and not only that, we hated Naked Now. It was terrible. It was. But Naked Time, you know, which is... People do like Naked Time. People do like Naked Time. <laughs> yeah. Naked time. Um, that, well, that's what so it's called. The, right? the, going down that road, I would say that from that perspective, one could say that there have been silly episodes early on and it has been catastrophic. Well, catastrophic makes it seem like it. But like it has never gone well. So Naked Time, Naked Now, whatever we're calling it, uh, is almost universally panned as terrible. Deep Space Nine. Most people would say the worst episode they ever did was, uh, what's the, Ala Moraine, then one more, Ala Moraine. Because it's silly. And people are like, this is terrible. Like, so to do a silly episode, and my issue with a silly episode is that we're taking established characters that we know and love and putting them in not that, like, this is not them. And we're going to enjoy this. So, like, my perfect example of silly that's okay is in the third season, I want to say. Uh, maybe it's the second season of uh, Farscape, one of my favorite shows. They have a, uh, a mind-switching episode where people are trans... Like, they switch bodies. Right. Um, for whatever reason. Um, and it was it was ridiculous, and so we got to see like one character inside John's body, and what would what would uh, like, and then what is it? John gets inside of Aaron's body, so all of a sudden a man is inside a woman's body, and so what's a man gonna do in a woman's body? And it's funny, and but it's like we know these characters well enough to know this is what Aaron would do inside of this body, right? right. Et cetera, et cetera. And that's funny. Flip side. One of my favorite, even though I don't know that it's like universally loved, one of my favorite Deep Space Nine episodes is Our Man Bashir, mm -hmm. which is when there's the transporter accident and all of a sudden, which is very similar, where it was like we're seeing these actors playing characters that are not them. Um, but there are people in it that are still them that can be the like the, the, the focal, like the, the reality point. So this isn't alternate universe stuff. This is one person is like, why are you all acting so weird? And at least, and I kept thinking about that episode and like, what is it that for me is different? Because again, I love that episode and I'm not as into this episode. I think they are not taking their, as actors, I don't think they're taking it seriously enough. I think they were intentionally going over the top uh -huh. and not, because like, I would say everybody else is playing their character seriously. This is how this character... I am now a new character. This is how... And that's what I would say about our man Bashir. Everybody in it is in character. They're not being... You know, they're mm. not 
being over the top. They're not being. They're being legitimately these characters. Now, on the counterpoint, and this is what uh, uh, Judy was saying to me: the this is a children's story, or at least a young, you know, yeah. whatever story. So, could Pike be doing, or Anson Mount, I suppose? This is how this character is written in a children's right. story. He's supposed Cartoonish. to be like, oh, well, what do you, blah, 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 blah. Like, that's the kind of character. as Because then I, I compare it to, like, what Avery Brooks did with, uh, I don't remember what the bad guy's name was in Armand Bashir, but he's supposed to be, like, Ka- uh, Dr. Evil. Right. He's the bad guy. You are Julian Bashir. And he's just like, because that's how a Bond villain would act. Right. So I guess for me then, maybe there was a little bit of inconsistency then. Where it was mm. kind of like, because then I think, um, like, Ortega, she's playing it straight. Yeah. Right? Where she is, uh, and then same thing. Like, but she, I would say, she always looks, like, annoyed by everybody else. It's true. But that's how I think her character would react. Oh, and I mean, like, is that how uh, Ortega's would react? Like, uh, okay, but that then it's not supposed to be. Yeah. Um, I'd say that, like, uh, uh, Spock, he's playing it straight. Uh, Uhura, she's playing it straight. You like, think all, she is? I mean, she like she's the Bond the top, villain. She's, compare her performance to uh, uh, Laon's performance, right? And they're not the same. But they're, no, one well, they is are the same. Over the top, and the other one is like uh, they no. do not feel. She is also playing it over the top, but not that she's over the, the top. Like that that scene where she's she's got like her legs over the arm right, of the chair. Right, but that's the character like, for that sort of a but, character. Right, because it's over the top. Mm, see, I think there's a difference over the top where because then like Laon comes in and she's like, it would make me start singing. La la la. Yeah, like that's like a, a cartoon character. That. That's not. That's not. You know, that's that's a different level of. Over. Right. So for again, for me, it felt inconsistent at least. Uh. And then the same thing, which is a little more understandable. I don't know that I enjoyed, or I didn't feel like it landed uh, Hammer's whole, like, like I'm going to cast a magic spell, and like, Abura, cut down. I'm like, okay, like, well, they needed something else to sell that. I didn't think that was funny. I thought that was kind of grown, that was kind of cringy, to be honest with you. I thought if they would have sold it to be like, Hammer doesn't really understand what's going on because he's an Andorian. Like, he doesn't know Earth fiction. Totally believable. And he's trying to wrap his mind around the silliness of human whatever. Okay, I'd buy that. They didn't say that. Huh. They just kind of, like, he was like, too much? Okay. And, like, uh, you needed to sell that a little better. I also think, I do kind of wonder, and now, you still haven't gotten into season two? No, still haven't done season two. I'm really starting to wonder about Mbenka. Is that this, and we'll, we'll talk about this in a sec, um, as they're exploring Mbenga's character more mm. and more, I think he's becoming less and less likable. I think like, that's already coming out in the first season. Yes, but the second season I think gets a little bit worse, where mm-hmm. you kind of get to see some of his dark past. and not It's not just his dark past, but it's also just like how he responds and reacts and the decisions that he makes and stuff like that. Uh, and the top, like the the characterization which is not so off i think of the the limited amount we got to see in Benga right. from the original series um he is a very kind of stiff character yeah and he plays it very almost like uh well that's the weird part is it somewhat emotionless but maybe cold even yeah um where he does have like a little bit of a wry smile from time to time but um i don't know it's a real challenge and to have him as opposed to like 
And that's what, again, what I loved, and this is, so it's not a fair comparison to compare this episode to one of my favorite episodes, but um, what was really interesting about how they did our man Bashir was you had Bashir, who is a more youthful character. Mm -hmm. He is very dynamic. And that's definitely, like, I think by that point in the show, he was less kind of, like, you know, kitty excitable and stuff like that. Yeah. But for him, like, and that was even the joke or whatever, the, the premise of that episode is that, like, not that he takes this seriously per se, but it's like, this is his, like, this is his entertainment. This mm-hmm. is my Holosuite program. Like, I do it for fun, but I'm into it, you know? Yeah. It's not like... It's not like I'm resisting or I'm not like, I guess I'll do this one again. And then on the other side, you got Garrick, who is my favorite character, who is the like snarky reply to everything. He's in some ways, he's the audience kind of being like, really, you're going to really do this. And like, what is it? Even the one in, uh, I don't know how well you know that episode, but uh, there's the one where they're trying to escape. And so, of course, as James Bond, he needs to seduce the the, the hapless scientist right, who's yes. got her, her nerdy hair on yeah. stuff like that. And Garrick is like, I really wish I could give you some privacy, but I'm a little tied up right now. It's just like, it's just so a perfect commentary on this is what James Bond would do, but you've got the audience kind of being like, really? Right. And they, they weren't able to have that in this episode because Mbenga wasn't doing that. No. And Hammer's commentary, Hammer is still Hammer, where he's, he's a bit of a character himself. Yeah. And so I don't know that 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 was something again, I don't want to say just rehash and do the same thing that you did with that previous episode. Uh, but I think there were some strengths in that episode. They weren't able to capitalize in this. One. I think Mbenga, they, they set him and Chapel up to be such a dichotomy, hmm. you know, between them Yeah. It, where Chapel isn't like, I wouldn't describe her as bubbly, but she is, you know, a much more emphatic character. Yes. And uh, that 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 setup there, I wonder, I, I hope that there is a plan for this. Right. You know, that, that and maybe it it leads into the original series and right. why we have bones there. And well, that's the challenge, though. And I've thought about this is that one in uh, which I'm going to be very interested to see how they eventually work in the cage. Yeah. In the cage, Mbenga's not the doctor. Right. They have some old man who really knows Pike well. Yeah. So we've got to introduce him at some point. And then, even crazier, is in uh, Where No Man Has Gone Before, it's a different doctor. Right. It's a different old man doctor. Yep. That's still not Bones. So it's kind of like, are you going to introduce both of these characters? Explain where Mbenga kind of goes. Because I'm guessing he's still on the ship. He's just he, not, he must be. Right. Like, he, he's, he's the, not the night primary. shift doctor right, or something. Exactly. I, I disagree with you about the bulk of the episode. That I I, I enjoy this episode. It's it's funny and light. I, I think it's funny. I, I I I enjoy the humor that they have there. And I think the characters the characters play it like a children's book. Right. And they they are all over the top. Well not all of them. I think actually, I was telling my wife uh, when we were watching it last night. I, I was saying, you know, the only one who seems like they are not having fun in this episode is Ortega's, and right, <laughs> she, she's like the only one who is not enjoying this episode. Interesting, and it, it just seems like all the actors are having fun. I right. don't know if we've had any interviews with them, yeah, about what they thought about the episode. 
and you know it takes a it takes a couple years for them to share their honest feelings about sure. it as we know from next generation yeah i i'm interested to know i'm interested right. to know what the actors thought about it yeah. because to me it seems like they're having a lot of fun right and it gives them a chance to i mean strange new worlds is not a serious show mm-hmm. it's not like a super serious yeah. it's not even as serious as next generation right. i think no. its tone is more like the original series where it's a little it, yeah. it, it's a little um winky you know right well and that's the thing that even because then i got i mean i'm sure you've heard about like the musical episode which comes at the end of yeah, the yeah, season yeah. two um and with that one, and then the crossover episode with Lower Decks, and then this episode, stuff like that. For me, it has felt. I don't. Do you ever watch Fringe? The no. Show? Okay, because this is Akiva Golds Goldsmith Golds. No, it's not Goldsmith. It's Gold. Uh, anyway, uh, the showrunner um, was the showrunner for Fringe. Okay. And for me, and and uh, Judy loved Fringe, so we watched a lot of that. Uh, and it feels like that. Interesting. Where there's a little bit of like, because it and I, yeah, again, if you haven't seen Fringe. Uh, it was kind of X Files e, but there was that wink. Okay. There was the like, we're gonna be silly from time to time. We're gonna have a loose, you know, reason for it, sciencey mm-hmm. mumbo jumbo sort of a thing. Which is another one that kind of bugs me. Is again, we've talked about this before about like, I don't know that it's the techno babble that I enjoyed, but there is a part of me, the science part, that I do really appreciate. That Star Trek used to have NASA advisors to say like hey we're going to talk about this is this theoretically possible has there been like science uh, along these lines so that we can throw like a, a concept out but like that's all out the window i can't imagine they have any technical advisor even though what is it the premise of this one was it hammer's like have you ever heard of uh, uh yeah something something brain they're like a spontaneous creative brain yes maybe this is one <laughs> what that's all your science you're gonna throw at this like come on it was so flimsy Did- and just like and it, it sounds like a god yep <laughs> what like oh that was yeah and that's and like you said that's and i don't know if discovery has been i mean i guess with the spore drive they were definitely like yeah that's weird fringe science but, at yeah. the best but more just like you know as long as it's sciencey ish that's that's good enough for for us did you read that john scalzi book red shirts no i recommend it Is but it a- it's it's not it's i mean it's based on fiction it's uh fiction oh okay it's not a star trek book oh okay it has like the the main characters are kind of lower decks characters oh okay and there's the bridge crew and there's always a problem and the lower decks their job is to go up to the to the um to the bridge and carry this box this special like science box that has the answer to whatever problem they're going to have. <laughs> and it, it it doesn't make any sense. And they, they talk about it in the book. Like, yeah. we don't know where this came from or why it's here or anything. But it always has what we need. <laughs> and, it, you know, the bomb is all... It's like um, Galaxy Quest. The bomb's always going to get to, right. you know, one before yeah. they stop it. Yeah. it. That's just how it happens. Yeah. And the best that they could do is avoid being killed on an away mission. But it's it's... I think we've gotten to that point that, you know, everything just comes out of the magic science box now. Right. And that's, I, I, you know, the best science fiction has a good scientific basis. Yeah. But 
good science fiction could still have a science box. It can, or even not even science fiction. I mean, that's even like we talk about like the debate over Star Wars. Like, mm-hmm. is Star Wars science fiction? And most people would say yes, uh, but because like, they have spaceships. Exactly, because it's it's futuristic, even though it te- technically placed a long time ago in a galaxy <laughs> far, far away. Um, but uh, it feels, yeah, uh, what we would call sci-fi. Even though there's no science involved. Right, it's all magic. It is magic. It's literally literally magic magic. in a lot of ways. Uh, And again, they just go to light speed or whatever. And, you know, that's the joke when they talk about how fast the Millennium Falcon is. I'm like, that's a silly question. Like, it's not even, it's not even comprehensible because they don't think that way. Right. One of the things that I wanted to talk about that I guess this episode made me think is going back to the idea of silly. What, and not even necessarily from a show, like we talked a little bit about some of the problems at least I see with silliness in a show, especially if you want them to take a show seriously or is it too soon for silliness and all that stuff. But something that I've also found in my adult life, silliness I think is to be avoided or not something adults should do. Do you think people think that? Well, are you saying that you think that silliness should be avoided? No. Okay, you're saying that most people think that silliness should be avoided. Yes. Most adults think that it is not adult to be silly. I think that's probably true. I don't know. I think it's generational though. Huh. Like I, I and and that makes me think that maybe it wasn't true in the past necessarily when they're among their peers. But like my my mom is ridiculously silly. Now, how do we define it's, silly though? My mom does really silly stuff, not just with her grandkids, but also just among the family yeah. when we're all adults will, you know, start walking around like a monkey or, you know, telling like among adults. Yeah. Okay. Tell you know, she tells fart jokes and, you know, yeah. like We'll do just really outrageous. It's like humorous, but with a very childish way about it. See, and that's where I was thinking. I, I, I feel like for a lot of people, silly, childlike or childish and juvenile are somewhat interchangeable. And for a lot of people, I don't think those last two are positives. Yeah. To describe an adult as childish or as juvenile, I think is an insult. Yeah, but I think there's more to those words than being Oh, silly. I agree. I don't know. It's the also most... being like irresponsible or, you know, but, not in control. But should it be? Or could it like, because again, like I think, or and maybe that's the difference maybe between childish and childlike, I yeah. guess. Right. Because like for yes. me, and that's the thing that I found working with uh, both students and, and uh, uh, youth and teens and, and, and stuff like that, is it does amaze me how many people... Like that's always been my my uh, thought about like those jobs is that like so I got paid to like my job was to take a bunch of students to laser tag mm-hmm. and of course I'm it's laser tag I'm literally like running around with this laser gun and like but there are so many adults that I think would kind of be like oh like let the kids go do that and I'm like why I don't know are 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 you or are we somehow incapable of enjoying that activity? Or is there some sort of age connection that your age disqualifies you? Or like, is it just that you're physically incapable of doing this activity? That's one thing. But why would it be this activity is no longer enjoyable? Do you think that 
there are people out there who want to do that but feel uh, do you think that most adults yeah would like to go play laser tag but they feel like they can't i would i wonder i because really I, do I, or well and that's what the can't part is the interesting thing but like socially, you yes, know they're not exactly or 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 uh it's all well i always wonder do a lot of us i'm not gonna say all but do a lot of us look back on who we were as a teenager with embarrassment and we say i am somewhat embarrassed adult me looking back at the dumb things that i now perceive as dumb that i did as a teenager and i kind of don't want to i don't want to admit that was me or or whatever or i don't want to dip into interesting that version of me i really wonder if there's because again and somewhat of it is i've experienced how difficult it is to get people to volunteer not just to volunteer to work with children and youth but the like it's funny that i always cringe in working with adults that walk into a group of children and get this voice that's the hello boys and girls and it's very breathy and it's always and it's very superior Hmm. like i am not one of you like and and not only that i am it in some ways it's almost demeaning Hmm. where it's almost i'm gonna use the little kid voice for you guys right why why do we think because i don't think it's intentionally like uh disrespectful to these children it's just the belief that somehow that's the appropriate thing for someone like me to do for someone like you. And, and for me, like I, I talk to people like right now I'm working with third graders. Mm -hmm. I talk to them just about like this. Right. I'm, well, what was it? We were joking, right? Was it a joke? It was a joke that you were talking about, uh, that you're the kind of a person that says thusly and and the stuff like (laughs) that. Uh, I don't know that I use those kind of words just in my regular life, but I use the same kind of words with you that I would with a third grader. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, ch- I don't think I change the, at least the like uh, the way I talk. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, are they going to be as interested in the deeper questions of like existence? No, I know that. And you might be surprised. Go. There are. There are kids that are, though. Sure. Well, it depends on the angle, I yeah. would say. To be like, you know, what, what, like, take a step out of silliness for a second. And let's uh, analyze <laughs> silliness. Like, no, I'm not going to do that with a third grader. Come on. And that's not, not fair to them. But we can still talk about that general concept yeah. in a different way. This concept of um, children learning from adults while adults can also learn from children. Mm. And I'm like, hallelujah, that's amazing. I'm not sure I buy it. Hmm. Because that is, like for me, that is almost as countercultural as you can get. Mm -hmm. Because so much of our culture is around the idea that, like this is a one-way instruction. And what am I going to, you know, what could I learn about life from this child other than, like, they can do something and then I'll teach myself or something. Like, yeah. I observe this, now I will learn this. But for them to have insight that I don't possess, I don't know, for someone, it does almost feel like arrogance. Yeah. Like, a, my age should have given me some sort of advantage over you. Yeah. I, I, I like kids. I always have. Yeah. Especially the, the age that our, our sons are going into right now. That first and second grade, that is my favorite age. People who haven't spent a lot of time with kids, hmm. who aren't parents, or who are working parents, 
and who don't get a lot of like FaceTime with with kids and not just their own kids, but kids in general. Yeah. People who haven't taught Sunday school or worked with kids as a job and, you know, volunteered at VBS or, you know, in the community center or whatever. It's to them. Kids are, I think a lot of times people, especially men, I think, find kids a little intimidating. Mm. Intimidating or bothersome, yeah. maybe. That's why they get that voice. That's yeah. why they get that uh, that uh, demeaning kind of attitude. Mm. I, I think it, a lot of it stems from that. And getting back to the question of like childishness and yeah being childlike i think that that's wrapped up in it yeah you know and i grew up always hanging out with adults hmm. you know the, a lot of times there's this there's this it's kind of like a meme where people say i wish i didn't grow up so fast i wish i wasn't in such a rush to grow up hmm. i have never felt like that in my life <laughs> being a kid and being a teenager especially but even being a kid sucks because you don't have the the freedom to do what you want to do and and sure you have like less responsibilities and stuff i would every day i would trade responsibilities for freedom every day oh sure and i i do not regret growing up fast which i did i i don't regret that at all well one might say from one from an adult perspective that children have more freedom than we do because they don't have a job, they don't have the responsibilities, they don't have to like, you know, the chores or whatever. They, they, from an adult perspective, they look at children as saying like, you guys have way more freedom. You, know, you get playtime. Like, I don't get playtime, I gotta work and I gotta watch you have playtime and et cetera, et cetera. You could build playtime into your life if you want. You could, well, <laughs> I, I, I agree. I don't think everyone else does. Yeah, and that's I don't true. Under, I don't understand, yeah. That's true. Uh, I've I've observed it in like church settings, but I would say that it's probably across the board, just in in people, at least in American culture, that there's kind of three different interactions or three different views of children. Okay. Um, and that one is children should be neither seen nor heard, which is they are they act differently and and disruptingly to my whatever. So let them have their own space and go off. And in my experience, a lot of adults are that way. You got the you got the kids table. You got the kids playroom. Mm-hmm. Just send them off there to go play by themselves. And like because they don't play the way that I do. There's the second one, which is children are our future, which seems to be a very popular like oh someday you're gonna be relevant and someday like there's all this potential and whatever. And then the dream scenario is the third one, which is children are our present, mm-hmm. which again I don't know that I have ever experienced an organization that actually believes or actually acts that out. Like they may say that. But the reality is that like, and I mean, that's, you know, like working in churches, especially where I'm like, if you really believe churches are like children are our future, how many children elders do you have? Oh, we're not gonna have a children elder. Okay. How many children pastors do you have? (laughs) We're not going to do that. Well, then you don't really believe they're, they're the now there's certain things that you believe children are not capable of. And so that they're not fully the now or whatever. They, they, I, I love the idea. I love the idea. And I think that people from all walks of life and people, not just adults, but like people from every walk of life, from every age that they're at, from wherever they're coming from, add something valuable to the community that you can't get anywhere else. And that includes children. 
I will say that there's a reason we don't have children pastors in, you know, in charge of a church because they are still in training to be responsible. They're still in training to be able to have the social skills that's necessary for that kind of work. So not, we are saying that they're the future. They're not the next. It, they're in training. Right. That's but, the future. It, they, but they do have something valuable to add. Just because something is just because not everybody is cut out to be a pastor. I don't think everybody is cut out to sure, be a pastor. Sure. And I think that the vast majority of children are not currently cut out to be pastors. I think well and then the, but then you, the you other get, question might you be You get the maybe 0.01% sure. that are. But how have we defined that particular role? And like we have made it like the people with this specific skill set and these specific abilities can perform this function. When you call somebody to, a pastor, they have a certain it's in the the title. Uh, they are a see, and that's, pastor. Well, we can go off on a whole thing about that because like I if you're going to talk about pastoring, so someone that is going to care for and um, shepherd and uh, right. you know a group, I totally believe that there are way more children that can do that than adults. No, absolutely. You're telling me you your your son cares about his group of people a lot more than most adults I know. That's I true. would call that pastor. Yes, but he cannot do that for a church. Well, he could do that for a group. He could do that for like. Like, who says that you need to, like, again, the, the limited scope of saying that this, like, you know, see, this pastor is meant to be a CEO that can organize and build this blah, 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 as opposed to this is a shepherd that's going to care for a group of people. That's why I think that's such a nuanced and challenging um, concept of what is it, act, what, what would it practically look like to say children are our present? Because it wouldn't look like we're just going to, have them do all the things adults do. Because you're right, that they're not. No, but I think putting them on the elder board, I think that's actually a good idea. Right, or but, at least, yeah, some form of, and I mean, that's the, there are things, so like a lot of elder boards work out the like, you know, 403B or whatever it is, and they're like, all right, we need to go through the finances for this last quarter. I'm not going to ask a seven-year-old to do finances for the last quarter. Like that's not their skill set, their experience. It's not a lot of adults skill set or experience. It's not, but but it is valuable for the kids to hear that information. Yeah, but then they're not leading. Then they're, I don't know. They're they're in training. That's true. Right. Again, this is why I think that is such a uh, a fascinating and not unreachable, but like it would really require some imagination to figure out how children are our present. And I don't know that we contain that imagination as of yet. Uh, so uh, before we go, uh, one last one that I wanted to touch on just because, again, for me, it was what troubled me so much about this episode uh, is, again, the landing. Uh, yeah. The landing of this Mbenga. And that's, that's again, maybe part of the problem is that I felt like the choice he was faced with was very unclear. Where it was like, so is this entity really threatening the, uh, uh, the enterprise and saying, if you do not give me your daughter, I will kill everyone here? I don't. I didn't get the sense that there was that level of malice, uh, or I will never let them go. Unless you give like so, it was a threat. Mm-hmm. I didn't get that sense. Um, but one, what really one, I guess the 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 number of things that troubled me was he made the decision to never see his daughter again, in like four seconds. 
Yeah. Now I get in, like we spent a lot of time doing a lot of other stuff, so we don't have a whole lot of time for this. Now somewhat <laughs> of that is, is poor writing. You had 54 minutes, bro, and you couldn't give him more than four seconds. Yeah. Like, you needed to write that a little better. But two is the fact, so here is this entity that you have never encountered before, you know nothing about, and you are going to entrust this entity with your daughter. That's a level of insanity. That That's the right. part that makes no sense. And then I think the third one is, they had mentioned from time to time that time is running out, that he is getting frustrated, he doesn't necessarily have a solution but i didn't get the sense that time is out i got the sense that like if she went back into uh the transporter they were he was not at the end like he was not hopeless yeah there was still hope and literally like wasn't it two episodes before where they encountered that one civilization that was like you know what we might actually have a cure for her like there was like there was like this possibility, but he couldn't do it because they wanted to trade warp technology or there was some sort yeah. of like whatever. But who was like there was literally a cure that you found you couldn't get to it, yeah. but it was it's out there. So for me, those three things made this a a a terrible not just a terrible decision, but a decision that that like I would no parent make this decision. I don't know. But at least for me, like, I, I guess the better question might be if you were, let's say, let's say that that was the decision he was faced with. Your daughter or the Enterprise. What? I don't know. What do you do with that? I guess. Because the reality is, too, and that's why it's a silly choice, is because your daughter's on the Enterprise. So if the choice was actually I'm going to kill her or I'm going to kill everybody, she's part of everybody. So that's not really a choice uh it's kind of like your daughter is gone either way but if there was i mean maybe we're talking about the trolley scenario right where it's like do you kill one person or do you kill 10 well it, it's even deeper than that I, I i when you talk about that i think of that the story of the woman and her family hiding from the nazis and yeah. you know in the cellar or whatever and her baby starts crying yes you know what does she do yes it's a problematic choice. <laughs> yes. It's, I don't think they did a good job here no. with that. And I don't think they explained it really well no. either. Like, I honestly, I mean, I watched that episode five hours ago. Okay. And I, <laughs> I don't remember exactly what the choice was. Right. You know, what, it was how it was phrased. Yes. And and I know I know that the entity at one point says, your daughter or your crew. Right. And that, but didn't again didn't seem like that mal that much malice. Like I'm gonna kill everybody. Right. It was it was it was kind of more like no, we're gonna keep you here forever. And even the thing that like you're killing the crew. I'm like because they have high dopamine levels. Like you you never said that everyone's dying or right. that they're a danger. Just that like it kind of sucks that they're trapped. Yeah. But and they might be able to figure something else out later. Yeah. It was it, it is. It is possibly the worst. I, I, just in my mind right now, I can't think of a worse <laughs> ending to an episode. And I wonder why they did it. Yeah. You know? I mean, for me, and that was what I kept wondering, is that they had established this uh, plot point of Mbenga and his daughter. Right. And this resolved it. Right. For good or for bad. Yeah. And Which is another troubling thing. 
this doesn't again now we're two seasons in uh this doesn't really come up again and that seems like one of those convenient things right like so but like what would this do? I, I mean i don't even know how you and i as parents like how can we answer that question but like yeah what would this do to a person and just yeah. like Mbenga having to give up his daughter um, especially and that's the other part too is that it sounds like they had lost her like something whatever had lost his mother the, her, uh, her mother right um, he has spent so much time hiding and working and like trying to save her because I mean I guess that's what they were painting this picture of like love being letting go I guess um, and the other problem was too, and I think that's what uh, Judy pointed out, is that um, somewhat of the problem was her age. Is that she, for her to say like, I think I want to go with this unknown entity. Like, I, I, again, going back to children of the future, children of the present, this idea that like, I, I don't think you're capable of making that decision. No, absolutely not. At this age. And then, and then even like, they, yeah, again, they hadn't expressed that she is living in such a hell. Where she is, you know, in this transporter. But buffer. is she? I mean, we we have that one episode where Barkley is in the buffer for a while and he's like conscious. Right, but that's a different thing. That that's different, right? Yes. Because to to me, my, my understanding is that she gets beamed up and is in the buffer. Yes. But she doesn't experience any of that time. No, she couldn't. That's or she would deteriorate. Right. Yes. So the. Is she really living in a hell? I mean, not really. She's just going from moment to moment like all of us are. You know? Right. I mean, yeah. people around her are getting older. Well, she doesn't see anyone. She only sees her dad. Yeah, okay. So her dad's getting older. Right. But how long has she been in that buffer? Did Have they said? I mean, I'm sure they said. But I don't remember where. Yeah. But let's say it's 10 years. Yeah. Which, which I, I don't think, think, I don't think it's think, been that long. No. But. So maybe she sees her dad getting older. Right. But, I mean, that's not really a hell. Right. You know? You know he's working for for you, you know? Right. It's, yeah. I mean, she's not in a hell. It's, it's okay by her. Well, and somewhat of it, too, is, again, he's letting this entity, unknown entity, whatever, raise his daughter. Yep. And that sh- that creature is going to do, you know, a better job than the, the father would. Um, Which might be true if he made this kind of decision. <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, well, but it's also, it, it, you know, like, it, yeah, yeah. The, uh, uh, and and that, that, in a certain sense, I guess that's not his, that's not the decision before him. Because it sounds like the decision before, like, what maybe the decision that makes more sense is if she, if she doesn't go with this entity, she is going to die. Yeah, for certain. Right. If that was, and I mean, again, I don't think they expressed that as the choice, but maybe that was the choice. And that one, I mean, that's, but then that's, well, that's the tough part is that then that's not really a choice, you know, go or die. Well, mm-hmm. it's like, well, you know, uh, I have no other options, apparently, uh, which again, I, maybe that's why, that's why they didn't phrase it that way. Uh, but I do wonder, like, I don't know. And then the, the, the thing too about being a parent, and maybe this is where, this is the best sort of framing technique I can come up with for this question mm-hmm. is not so much about letting our kids go. Because I, and there's some of that. I mean, especially as they get older. And I mean, that's the bigger, bigger, the the more obvious one is that you know, like when they're 18 or, or whatever, or even before that. There was even that part that makes me think of the the thing in um, uh, Inner Light 
where uh, his youngest son decides he wants to drop out of school so he can be a musician. Mm-hmm. And, you know, initially he's like, no, you're not. And then granted, he's like, well, <laughs> the planet's all going to blow up anyway, so do whatever you want. So that kind of has a little caveat to it. But if we were faced with that decision, my son wants to drop out of school because he wants to pursue whatever. Like, that would be a big releasing. Um, I do wonder, though, I guess, the level of parenting that is selfish that is about me, mm-hmm. that it's like, and, and we talked about this before, like talking about like our own mortality and like practic or not practically, selfishly. Do I believe that my children will have the best possible outcome if I am there to help them, like raise them through, right. their, through their life? Yep. Maybe, but the selfish side of it is I also want to be there. Right. Because again, let's say that I die and then, you know, my wife gets remarried and she has a stepdad. Is it possible that stepdad could do a spectacular job and they could raise him and be helpful? Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't want that outcome. Yeah. Like that's the selfish part of like, I want to be there for my children. Um, I, how, how does that, I don't know. How do we identify? And I mean, I'm sure there's some of that that's, I mean, again, calling it good or bad is not really fair. It's just what is like, you know, I don't know that there's a completely selfless way you can decide to have a child. I don't know that we can be completely selfless about anything. Like there's some level of I'm going to get something out of this. Separating out the selfless selfishness out of parenting. um, Maybe, yeah, maybe it's just a constant struggle. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this personally. I don't, I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast. Maybe we did when we talked about yesteryear. I mean, I, I really do think that I'm the best dad for my kids like that and i really like i really believe that it it, so much so that like in in omega's uh decision here like even if my daughter was going to die you know i would rather them die with me than live with some non-corporeal entity out in space you know yeah that that's because I, I don't know what would happen in that. It could be much worse than death. There yeah. are things that are much worse than death. That's true. And I, I don't know this non-corporeal entity. I would have <laughs> to know this non-corporeal entity for a long right? time yes. before I would trust them with the life of my daughter. Yeah. And that's, I mean, a long time. Yeah. I'd like to think that's all for my child, but also like... I think I'm I'm doing a great job with my kids, and yeah, there's something to be said for that. That I I want to be careful here though, and not say that all biological fathers are better than non-biological sure. fathers because, yeah. like, we know kids that have been adopted, you know, and they their dads are fantastic. They're they're the best dads yeah. that you can. You can imagine, you know, but there's also, we know, um, and, you know, not just adopted, but also like with stepfathers and stuff like that. Yeah. Have excellent relationships with their fathers, with their stepfathers that they would not have had with their biological father. Right. We also know people who have stepfathers who have, I mean, not dropped the ball or anything, but not really Some. a father fi- figure. Yep. You know, just the guy who's married to my mom. Yep. And they're okay with that, mm. too. But they didn't really have a dad, you know, right. because their yeah. dad was not yep. in the picture. Yeah. And that's, 
you know, yeah, I mean, I think that would be a really difficult thing if my wife were to die. Yeah. And trying to find a spouse who could be a parent to my kids. I don't know how you do that. I don't right. even know how you start to do that. Yeah. I, I'd like to think that if, you know, a different universe where I didn't have kids and I married somebody who did have kids. Yeah. You know, if I would be a good parent to those kids. Yeah. I'd like to hope I would be. Right. I would want to be. Yeah. But that doesn't it. include the wishes of that spouse or those children, you know, and who may have different ideas of what my role in that in that is. Yeah. And that it has to have the buy in of all parties. Right. That's so That's important. For sure. Yeah. 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 Well, and it's it's like you said, it's it, it is a balance. It's like there there are uh, the the selfish elements of yeah. And and, and again, I, I don't think that's like practically we can't fully ignore the selfish elements uh, about you know just the the not yeah not to devalue per se just because this would benefit me therefore it is invalid mm-hmm. like no that's that's probably not realistic but uh, acknowledging that, that there is some level of that that, that is there uh, is that I, w- I want to be a part of my child's life um, uh, and I think like if that's all that it was uh, and that's maybe again like how they could have framed the Strange New Worlds episode uh, is if it was just personal preference I would like to be there um, but this other side and I mean like you know I was th- thinking about like boarding schools and I don't know that either of us are boarding school people uh, <laughs> but there are people that like the boarding school thing that is an act of love is that it's not like I hate my child or I just want them out of here or that I can't handle them or whatever but some of this is like this is actually going to be the best life for mm. you and and I mean I bet there are some people that like that probably hurts where it's like I Definitely. want to be around my child but it's still going to be better for them to live this kind of life yeah. and that letting go or the same thing too. Like there, you know, uh, 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 you know, people that, you know, need to be in special facilities or, or, or whatever, uh, uh, you know, in comic books I was reading, like, uh, I'm reading, uh, some X-Men right now. Uh, and that's, that's the, uh, uh, professor X's school for gifted individuals is a boarding school. Right. And it's like this person literally has superpowers. What am I going to do with this child? Yeah. Like, it's going to be a better life for you to go and be loved by Wolverine than to be loved by your, your parents. Now, obviously that's a silly example. It is such a crazy complicated, uh, idea that I, yeah, again, that's maybe why this offended me so badly is that they did not give it its due. No, Um, they didn't. And, and not only that, but then to take a silly episode which again, and that's again what I liked about our man Bashir is I felt like they did, even though it was maybe silly or whatever, um, they did have there was a point to it, and and which I really loved. Like in that one is that Garrick was secretly offended by the fact that uh, Bashir was play acting at something that Garrick took very seriously. Garrick was a spy, and you're pretending to be a spy. Ah, uh, right. And yeah. that was the whole thrust of the episode. Whereas this, if this was the thrust of the episode, the whole point was about a man letting go of his daughter. The silliness didn't help with that. No, it didn't. That did not connect at all. And it wasn't even like, okay, I've got to go on this quest to save my daughter and then I got to let her go. That wasn't really the point of the story either. Right. right? And that, again, that that for me didn't quite. I think they tried to make it that, but they didn't. They didn't do a good job. Maybe. 
And again, it's an early episode, so maybe it was more ambitious than they should have been with the sixth episode. I don't know. But like we talked about last episode, that the uh, Strange New Worlds started off so strong that it was kind of like, I don't know, maybe like, hey, go for it. Like, whatever. Do a singing episode. Oh, we'll talk about that maybe next time. I, I, I think what has happened with Strange New Worlds is that since it is such a hit and yeah. people seem to really be enjoying it, yeah, they're just like... Go for it. We have freedom do to it. do whatever we yeah. want, maybe. They, I mean, they're, they're the big dog in the Star Trek franchise right now. Yeah. So. Yeah. Although, I, yeah. They want for to do them, a crossover with an animated That's true. That's show? true. It does seem do it. that way. I mean, one, because the other ones are ending, so, but who knows? Yeah. Picard never seemed to. You wonder, they don't release the numbers to know, like, which. Right. Uh, I did see, by the way, on a side note, that they uh, uh, are partially because of the strike, but this fall, Strange New Worlds is actually going to air on CBS. So yeah. you can watch it for just, you know, just about everybody. So that's kind of exciting. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Yeah. I, it, my father-in-law, I think, is really going to enjoy oh, that. Oh, okay. Because he doesn't have Paramount uh, Plus. And he's that's... a big Star Trek fan. Yeah. Big original series fan. So, yeah. Although, didn't he not like Discovery? He, uh, I don't think he was a big fan of Discovery. Okay. So... But Strange New Worlds. You think he'll be into it? He, he watched the first season. Oh, he did. Okay. We, we bought him the first season. Nice. And he really enjoyed it. Nice. It's so. still it's still in physical copy? No, uh, we, we got it. Uh, oh, you bought a digital version. Yeah. Okay. That makes more sense. Fair enough. All right, my friends. Well, um, along those lines, we have one episode left of our season two. And we are going to dive once more into lower, uh, excuse me, Strange New Worlds. <laughs> Uh, I did ask uh, my wife, Judy, if she wanted to pick our final episode because she is our super fan uh, and possibly join us as well. Uh, we'll see. She's not a big fan. She's always w- willing, maybe. She's sometimes willing to be on our podcast. She rarely enjoys it. She does not like the sound of her own voice. Okay, well, then we will leave it there so that we can join you again next episode and talk once again about Strange New Worlds. But for this episode, my friends, we bid you farewell by saying, Live long and prosper. Peace and long life.